In the last installment of the original trilogy, we find our heroes at an impasse with themselves and the Empire. Revisiting old planets and discovering some new ones along the way, Return of the Jedi is an epic that incorporates fan favorites from the earlier films while introducing new elements that have stayed with fans since. Hang on to your speeder bike and enjoy the discussion. Welcome to Sky Talkers This Galactic Life. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Sky Talkers This Galactic Life. I am your host, Caitlin. And I am Charlotte. Hi. We, oh my gosh. We are still like on a high from yeah. the Last Jedi trailer. <laughs> um, so we're recording this on Tuesday, and last night we uploaded our, like, right away, which we've never done before, a, yeah. <laughs> a Last Jedi trailer, like, immediate reaction, and it's, like, it was- super giddy and crazy, so you can go ahead and listen to that if you want to. It, this is a little preview of what it sounds like. It's like, so, yeah, oh my gosh, wow, trailer, <laughs> Luke, Ray, Kylo. <laughs> okay, it's a little bit more in-depth than that. <laughs> it's a little bit more in-depth. Like, there are some some great moments of discussion, but there's also a lot of that thrown in there, too, because our minds were just spinning. Yeah. So, <laughs> and they're still kind of spinning, yeah. so bear with us. <laughs> yeah, but we're really excited to be talking about Return of the Jedi right now. Yes. Um, but befo- before we jump in, I just a reminder, we're going to be launching our Rebels discussion show, Fulcrum Files, right on this channel. So if you're subscribed, you're going to see that. And mm-hmm. um, right after you listen to this episode, head on over to our Twitter page to vote for which Harrison Ford movie we should do um, for our Patreon free series, which we will finish someday. <laughs> before before okay can we make this this deal with the listeners before the last jedi we will have caught up on our stars of star wars series woohoo okay i like that deal yeah okay so we promise that it will come before the last jedi premieres we will give no dates <laughs> but before the last jedi <laughs> but yeah so we're doing harrison ford movies and if this is your first time tuning in, uh, what Charlotte and I are doing for our hashtag Skytalkers Machete series is for each of the Star Wars films, we are highlighting one of the stars of Star Wars. So, for instance, this movie, we're going to be highlighting Harrison Ford. And with that, we pick one uh, or we pick two of that star's other films outside of Star Wars. And we let you guys vote on it on our Twitter page at Skytalkers Pod. And then we will do a short review for free on our Patreon page. So, for example, we have done Mark Hamill's Corvette Summer and Ewan McGregor's Moulin Rouge. And we've got some others lined up for Natalie Portman, um, Carrie Fisher, and everyone. Okay, we're sorry. We're sorry. But for Harrison Ford, the two movies that you can vote on are, yes, you guessed it, we're going to do Indiana Jones, and you can vote on either Raiders of the Lost Ark or Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, so the first and last of the Indiana Jones series. Please choose Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, everybody. <laughs> I I need to rewatch Kingdom of the Crystal That's Skull. That's why I, I want to do it. I've seen it in forever. Yeah. Okay, so this is why we need to do it. Yeah. All right, but I think that's it for our little business information. I think we should probably jump right into Return of the Jedi and just get on with it and discuss this awesome movie. get on with it. Charlotte, I'm going to give the parts while Charlotte takes a breath, okay? (laughs) So in part one, we are going to be covering the story, 
In part two, we're going to be covering the characters of Return of the Jedi. And part three is going to be our questions and catch-all, where we talk about anything we didn't cover and questions from our Twitter from you guys. So without further ado, let's get started. (laughs) Okay, you said the line. (laughs) Yeah, I said the line. (laughs) A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away... Next chapter in the Star Wars saga, Return of the Jedi. The battle between good and evil rages on. Join the further adventures of Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia, Lando Calrissian, Chewbacca, C-3PO and R2-D2 and Darth Vader. A journey to alien worlds. It's a trap. A rebellion against oppression. An epic of heroes and villains. An adventure as vast as the universe. Return of the Jedi. Coming to a selected theater in your galaxy. Welcome to part one, and this is the story of Return of the Jedi. So, Caitlin, how was it coming from Revenge of the Sith straight into Return of the Jedi? What are your immediate thoughts about the story? I, I mean, this is where Machete series exceeds, succeeds, succeeds for me. I love the the jump from Empire, or from um, Revenge of the Sith to Empire Strikes Back. I think it is really fun. I, not, it is fun. I think it's really it fun. fun. Yeah, it's, it is fun. It's a good mix up and I, I, I really love it. It is like, it is like coming out of a dream kind yeah. of because it's like you're, you're welcomed back to Tatooine, which is where we left. Return of the, uh, I'm going to be doing that all episode, Revenge (laughs) of the Sith, Return of the Jedi, Revenge of the Jedi, (laughs) just know that now, listeners, (laughs) but coming, I mean, we do end on Tatooine, and that's where we come back, but it's clear that time has passed, and we're now back in the original trilogy era, but we've also, like, time has passed from the last time we saw Luke, you know, like a good, uh, there has been a time jump within the original trilogy itself. Um, but it is nice that you're kind of, you're back in familiar territory with Tatooine. Yeah. And you come in with all this awesome background information about Anakin and his fall and mm-hmm. who Darth Vader is behind the mask. And you just kind yeah. of know everything that you need to know, basically, going into Return of the Jedi. Um, and the the surprise of Leia being Luke's sister is preserved in Revenge of the Sith. So really, you only get it like, what is it, like 45 minutes, you know, early. early. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think it's just really cool. I love this transition. I think it's one of the fun things about watching this movie. It's, you know, that instance where the audience knows something the characters don't. Yeah. Um, and this, like, while it's a big deal, it's certainly not like the Vader reveal big deal. Um, but yeah, just kind of 
it's something to add on to the continuity between Revenge of the Sith and Return of the Jedi uh, is that, you know, the last two things we saw were Tatooine and also the Death Star too, you know, Palpatine, Palpatine and Vader on the Death Star. And that's where we start too. We see Vader going on to the Death Star. The new Death Star. The new Death Star. But it's still, you know, you still have this continuity there. So. Yeah, because it is a a Death Star in construction. And then in this, that's interesting. Yes. You yeah, come back yes, into a Death Star yes. in, in construction. That's cool. You just made my point better. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's why I'm here. <laughs> um, but what do you think about the time jump coming, like, from Empire Strikes Back to Return of the Jedi? Well, it's weird because there is no time jump. It's like, if, you, if you're watching it in chronological order, it's like, maybe like two weeks is it supposed to be? And it's no, like... No, I thought it was supposed to be a lot longer. No, I, I no, no, no. It's not, it's not really. No, 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 no. No, no, it's not. It's like, oh, you know what? Let's Google it. Oh, boy. (laughs) One of us (laughs) is about to be very embarrassed, and it's probably me. (laughs) Um, I was always under the impression that there was no time jump, that they had already formulated the plan. That's why Luke says, we'll meet you at the rendezvous point on Tatooine at the end of Empire. And, you know, that's just how it is. The film is set six months after the Empire's invasion of Cloud City. Okay, so it's not two weeks. (laughs) No, it's not two weeks, but it's definitely not, like, two years. No, but it's that's still a significant time jump. Two weeks is not significant at all. Six months is significant. That's that's time for change. Someone tweeted the other day about how the transition from Empire to Return of the Jedi is really interesting because Luke is, like, a completely different almost completely different at the end of one movie to another and like he's like super confident and like he comes in and he's like you know guns blazing and like is is is, i don't know he's like the smartest guy in the room and yeah it's interesting well we'll have to i think we're gonna have to table part of this discussion for part two especially with all of the last jedi there's a lot of discourse about how luke is still acting out of fear Mm -hmm. but the i mean we'd certainly see that in return of the jedi but it's not the prevailing description I would give to Luke in this film. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I just think it's, it's really weird how much growth we see from Empire Strikes Back to Return of the Jedi, and that's like actually a weak point in like marathoning all the way through chronologically. And I think yeah. that you get something. I don't know. I just think it's better when you come from Revenge of the Sith because you honestly do yeah. feel like time has passed. Yeah, you do. And it's, I mean, it's like, it's like you're coming, you're, it's like you're coming back to the present day story in a way, because Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith are supposed to be treated like a flashback. Yeah. So like, how do we think about this? You know, in in Revenge of the Sith, we talked about like how that story is very segmented. And it's like, I, I described it in four parts, you said three, etc. What do we think about the way that this story moves through? This story, I mean, this story spends so much time on Endor at the end. Um, I mean, we start in Tatooine and we have the rescue of Han, which that takes up a good bit of time and is also some of my favorite segments or uh, favorite sequences in all of Star Wars. I love, I love when they're in Tatooine. Mm -hmm. Um, Luke jumping from the barge and flipping and grabbing his lightsaber will never not be awesome. Yeah, it's so cool. (laughs) It's so great. But, you know, after that, we basically have 
you know, Luke returns to Dagobah and Yoda dies and we've got the Rebellion base. Also a great moment when they all have like a group hug together. It's super sweet. But then the rest of the time we're on Endor and the Death Star. And that's a lot of time that we're spending on those two stages, which is interesting because in Revenge of the Sith, we spend, I feel like we spend that whole first half of the movie with the rescue of Palpatine. And so now we're opening up Return of the Jedi with the rescue of Han, but we don't have as much time on that rescue like we do with Palpatine's rescue. Right. In my head, I'm trying to reconcile because I think it's red letter media that describes the end of, and I I don't know how I feel about their reviews of each of these movies or whatever, but it is interesting to point out. So the end of A New Hope has one shot where, you know, Luke blows up the Death Star, right? And that's the end. That's the finale. And then Mm -hmm. Empire Strikes Back goes between two end scenes of, is it Leia and Lando fleeing Cloud City and then Luke dealing with Darth Vader? And those are kind of like juxtaposed and like cut back and forth. And then, so those are two masterfully done things. And then in this, you get George Lucas and Richard Marquand like trying to do three separate finales. So it's it's Luke, em- the Emperor, and Vader, and then it's Lando trying to blow up the second Death Star, and then you have um, bringing down the shield on Endor. And it just, it, to me, it always kind of feels like a little messy. Like, I, I don't want to spend equal times with each. I want to spend more time with Luke and Va- the Vader and the Emperor, I don't know if that makes sense. I just think that like no, it does. they kind of throw in a lot at the end to wrap things up. And I, I honestly think yeah. it's an interesting choice. Yeah. I mean, I think that is a consequence of it being the last movie of right. a trilogy, trilogy, which I think is kind of inevitable for any trilogy. But I think you're right. It is, it is a little messy and there is a lot going on. So maybe in that vein, it's good that we stayed on one planet for the most part. And there wasn't a lot of hopping around to different planets. Because that probably would have confused things even more. But it's interesting because in our Empire Strikes Back episode, we talked about how there wasn't really any of the Empire versus the Rebellion in that film. And now we bring it back in this movie. But it's still not really at the forefront. Like, it's kind of pushing our characters to to these places. But... I mean, I know for me, it's never the focus when I'm watching this movie. And I don't feel like, I don't know, I, I guess I don't feel like the movie makes it a focus, even though it's kind of, it's the it's the, the impetus for why they're doing the things they're doing. It never seems like they're constantly like, the Empire, we have to beat the Empire. Yeah, I think that... It, Especially once they get to Endor. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that because the audience wants to see Luke and Vader interact so much that whatever you get, like, whenever the movie, like, inches you closer to that, like, that's the only story you care about. Yeah, and it's, like, no matter how much they threw in the Empire Rebellion war, it's not going to matter when you have, you know, Luke and and Vader going at it. And I think that part of that is, like, at this point, we're pretty comfortable with, like, how the dynamic between the Rebellion and the Empire is. Like, we've seen it within two movies right but that's the thing we've really only seen it in one movie because we don't see it in empire um yeah we do because it's constantly in the back of lando's mind he's being controlled by it 
Yeah, but Lando isn't necessarily a main character, and he's not even in all of the film. Mm. I bet. I mean, I agree with you. As Lando is the main character in Empire Strikes Back? Yeah, I think he definitely is. He's a different kind of hero. I think he is, too. I just don't think he's the main character. But he's definitely a main character in Return of the Jedi, though, because he gets his own... If if we're talking about, like, how things are segmented in the finale, he gets his own, like, tertiary area. Yeah, I mean, so does Admiral Akbar. Yeah, that's part of it. He gets his own ship. Um, I just don't know if I agree with that. But we can disagree yeah, I mean, about I, that. Yeah, no, we definitely can. I think Lando is an important character, and I think he's really interesting for the choices he makes in Empire Strikes Back. I think that's really interesting and really thought-provoking, and I wish he had more time in Empire Strikes Back and in Return of the Jedi. So, I mean, that's what everyone has said, that, you know, one of the great things about the Han Solo movie, you know, if it exists or not, <laughs> <laughs> untitled, <laughs> still untitled, <laughs> Is that we're going to get a lot of Lando development. And I'm really excited for that, honestly. Probably more so than Han Solo. I am too. We need it. I, and I can't believe I said that out loud. Like, I, can, <laughs> I can hear the... <laughs> no, but it's I true. I, I'm, I'm excited about everything about Lando in the Han Solo movie. And yeah. the choice of the actor. Choice. Like, I just think it's going to be great. I'm really pumped about yeah. that. If it exists. Yeah. Who knows? If it, if it exists. <laughs> yeah. Send us your conspiracy theories. <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely, yeah, I don't see Lando as the main character. I see him as probably the most important secondary character. Yeah. But not a main character. For me, I mean, I guess for me, I'm very simple about it. You know, like your main characters are Luke, Han, and Leia. Yeah. So, you know, take that as you will. Um. <laughs> okay, so let's shift gears. I think there's a conversation that... I was on um, the Steel Wars live call-in show, and they were fascinated by the fact that I didn't realize that the special editions were very much the special edition. And, like, maybe we can devote a whole episode about this conversation and point of views and everything, but I did not know that Yub Nub was a thing until a very few years ago. Like, I I didn't know. Yeah, and I... Because of that, I, like, totally accept the celebration at the end at face value. I think it's great. It yeah. Like, I I love it. I think it's the perfect end to the Star Wars saga pre The Force Awakens, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's great. Um, and so what do you think about, like, the many planets that are represented in this song? I think it definitely ties us back to the prequel trilogy. I'll be honest, a lot of the special edition special edition CG scenes in Return of the Jedi don't hold up for me as well as they do in A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I agree. Um, so in that, like, I like the idea of having all the other planets, especially coming out of Revenge of the Sith. I almost said Return, Revenge of the <laughs> Sith. Um, I think it's a good reminder of, like, this is what – was lost during the reign of the empire you know these are these are the people that the empire um oppressed for all of these years for all of these decades decades places we've been like Coruscant and Naboo you know um and coming out of revenge oh my god coming out of revenge of the sith um it's really prevalent in our minds and so it's nice to see that continuation in return of the jedi um they do look really cgi uh and that kind of takes me out of it but 
I think it's I think it's really effective for the greater story of the saga as a whole to have those planets represented at the end. Right. Okay, so I, I completely agree. Shifting gears again. Okay. <laughs> how yes. do we feel about the whole you know, the main story about if if we're in the story section, which we are, the whole story of Return of the Jedi is that Luke denounces, you know, what he his his like mission that Obi-Wan and Yoda had sent him on and he chooses love and love like brings Vader back to the good side right and etc etc I can't really imagine seeing that play out in 1983 and like now seeing everything that came before it I think it's super powerful coming from Revenge of the Sith and seeing Return of the Jedi together like how do we reconcile that and how what do we think of those story choices you mean you don't think audiences were as receptive to Vader's redemption? I'm not in sure if they were. I don't know. I mean, I wasn't around. I don't know either. But I don't. Yeah, that'd be interesting if if you saw Return of the Jedi in 1983, were you totally gung ho for Vader redemption? Yeah, because I mean, he was like the baddest baddie ever, right? Yeah. And like but they talk. Yeah, they talk a lot about how the, this film had the insurmountable task of creating a bigger villain than Vader, and that's Palpatine. Oh yeah. Um, for me, Palpatine never stood out as like. I mean, I guess because I've always known the story of Anakin as Darth Vader, like that's never not been in my Star Wars consciousness. That it's hard to. It's always been hard for me to see Vader as the big bad. You know, it's like I get that he is he is an iconic villain, um, but that I mean that's always been difficult for me to really see him as like fearful. You know what I mean? Really, I mean that scene in Rogue One at the end. That was really the first time where I was like, whoa. Yeah, and I think that a lot of <laughs> a lot of people feel that way. You know? Yeah, and it's um, it's. I just think that it's like it's really an amazing feat that they were able to pull this off and the writing was totally there and those as much as I wish that they kind of lingered on those scenes at the end a little bit more every time I'm just like oh man this is so powerful this is what Star Wars is about I just wish that we had maybe two more minutes of screen time for a conversation to and so or just like for that you know that choice and Vader dying to sit there I just think it's so awesome what they were able to pull off i agree return of the jedi is awesome (laughs) (laughs) it is it's so good and it's like those moments i mean you know there's i i love return of the jedi but i really did love it as a kid and i think it's like it is a more kid-friendly star wars movie i uh, i might get some i might get some hate for that but like i think it is and i think those like really emotional scenes that they were able to pack into the story like you know luke finding out about leia and like luke talking to leia and we'll get to this in our character session section but i just think that like being able to pack these into the story it just like it succeeds every time i watch this movie to, to me it does I mean, when you think about the the arc that Anakin's character has been on, and not only that, but the way that George, like if we're thinking about how George created these movies chronologically, you know, with original trilogy and then prequel trilogy, you have, he creates the most iconic villain in the world in, mm-hmm. the ni- in 1977, and then he gives you the bombshell that that villain is your hero's father. Right. Your main hero's father, like... 
mind blown. And then not only that, not he redeems him. Yeah. He makes him completely redeemable. And then you come into, which, you know, like that completely went against everyone's expectations, I'm sure, a lot of people's expectations. And then you get to Phantom Menace and he's completely turned the idea of a villain on its head again by introducing you to the child that becomes the most iconic villain in the world. And it's just like these really extreme choices all throughout Anakin's character journey that really paid off, I think. Oh, completely. I I just think it's so awesome. And it's stuff like this that make me just like, you have to see that Kylo Ren is going to be redeemed (laughs) in the sequel trilogy. Like, you just have to. Like, they've made these choices before. It's... (sighs) Okay. It's interesting because... Anakin's story starts with sacrificial love with his mother, Shmi, and that's how his story ends, but now it's with his own child. Right. Man. (laughs) Star Wars. Wars. Why you do this? Why you gotta do us like that? (laughs) Um, We're itching itching to talk about the characters, though, Caitlin. We should move on. We're always itching. (laughs) I feel like we've done a better job with story in this episode than we have in previous I hope so. And I hope, I hope so. so, too. I hope you guys enjoyed it. But <laughs> Let's move on to characters. Yeah, let's move on to characters. Let's do it. Rebo's got the beat, and the band plays on. You can relive it all with Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Introducing Size Noodles and the Rebo Band. Jabba the Hutt action playset sold separately. Play it again, Size. Starring Size Noodles, Droopy McCool on clarinet, Max Rebo on organ. Rib, rib it, Rebo. <laughs> Dance, Droopy. It's your last solo, Snoodles. Whoa. Use Size Noodles and the Rebo Band. Jabba the Hutt action playset sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. All right, part two. Everyone's favorite, at least our favorite, the characters. <laughs> so, who should we start with first? You should choose. We, I'm going to start with Palpatine just because I had an unfinished comment from last segment. Okay. But basically, that I, I buy, like, I think Palpatine is a much better character when you watch it in machete order. Like, seeing his relationship with Anakin in Revenge of the Sith and then seeing how they interact with each other in Return of the Jedi, I think it works so well. Yeah. And I think it's it's so consistent, too, with what we see in Revenge of the Sith. I think he, I mean, he's a great character to hate. Completely. And I just think that you see his, like, inner workings and his, you know, him knowing everything so mm. much more when you come from the place of the prequels, which have totally built up his character. And Yeah. Um. And it's even in Revenge of the Sith, you're like, geez, Palpatine, you've been doing this for a long time. And then you get to Return of the Jedi and you're like, you are still going strong, man. (laughs) You know, A for effort. I don't don't agree with what you're doing, but you do it well. (laughs) Until he doesn't. (laughs) But that being said, with Vader, do you think that coming out of Revenge of the Sith – because that you have more sympathy for Vader? Because I think this is arguably the strongest point of Machete Order is your reaction and relationship to Vader's redemption. Um, Yeah, I think so. Because you... I just think that there's something that comes from not watching it in chronological order that, like, the... the story of Anakin and his downfall and his turn and his, you know, his fear and his love all kind of come to a head and it's like fresh in your mind when you come into Return of the Jedi. I, I, 
I mean, I, I really like, I want to say more than like, when you watch this all together in, in the sequence that you do, like the timing really does matter in which you, but like that is, it's really true. Like it's fresh in your mm. mind. It doesn't feel so distant. It doesn't feel so different. It just yeah. it feels like something that was always there. It just feels like this story that had always been there. It doesn't, I don't know. I just think that it's, it's just so part of it. I don't know. It's not something new, like this compassion that you see in Vader in Return of the Jedi. You know, if you watch it, you know, four, five, six, and you don't have any knowledge of Star Wars, that compassion, you're like, okay, whoa, where did that come from? That's been just hanging out in Vader's heart for the past however many years. But when you come out of Revenge of the Sith, you see how deeply hurt Anakin was through all this and how he was manipulated and how that love of family was a part of him even once he became Vader, you know, when he's like, where is Padme? Where is she? Like that, that was his reason for what he did. Yeah. I just, um, and even, and even in when they're talking about Luke, Vader and Palpatine, Vader refers to him as his son, which I think is such a tell that, you know, something, something's happening in Vader's heart. It's yeah. going three sizes. <laughs> because in, what is it? It's either in A New Hope or Empire. He refers to him as, as the son of Anakin Skywalker. But in Return of the Jedi, it's my son. Yeah, it's possessive, but in, like, not a super, <laughs> it's possessive, but not in a super possessive way. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, it's, it feels closer. Yeah, it does. And and even then, it, like, it goes against what Obi-Wan was saying, too. Like, Obi-Wan's assertion is that they're two separate people, Anakin and Vader. And Luke is the son of Anakin, but Vader is referring to him as his son. Right. So it's like they are one and the same, despite what Obi-Wan wants to believe and has convinced himself of wow. for the past 20 years. True. Very true. Okay, so let's talk about Luke. Okay. I'm, I'm like, nervous to talk about Luke. <laughs> I am, too, because I just think there's a lot going on with Luke in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> there's so much. And disclaimer, there is no way we can cover all of it succinctly and as intellectually as I think we want to. Yeah. So <laughs> For sure. I hope you'll just bear with us. <laughs> For sure. But honestly, I think that Luke goes through a lot of growth from the end of Empire Strikes Back to learning about mm-hmm. when he learns about who he is, where he came from, and, you know, what role Obi-Wan had in his life. I think that he has to, like, come to realize and understand what that was and kind of forge his own path, because ultimately that's what Star Wars is all about, is your choices in your own path. Yeah. Um, and I think we finally get to see that. It's, you know, Luke has one of the best character arcs in all of, I don't know, modern film. And, you know, we see this, we start, you know, this journey with Luke as like this, you know, naive farm boy, right? And Mm. we end with this, you know, super wise. You mean this, like, he's like a wise Jedi? (laughs) Yeah, he's a wise Jedi. Like, he he, (laughs) he completely understands, you know, what's important and what matters and he hasn't lost sight of any of that, like, the Jedi had or Luke and Obi-Wan. I mean, Obi-Wan and Yoda had. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think that it's, like, this unbelievable arc that deserves yeah. recognition. What I think is great about Return of the Jedi is that 
George Lucas like clearly sets up these parallels to Empire to explicitly show us how much Luke has changed in you know the six months, two weeks, three years, whatever it is that has passed. Um, because the first thing we see of Luke using the Force are very similar actions. You know, you have in Empire Strikes Back, he calls the lightsaber when he is with the Wampa, and it's like it takes him a second to get the lightsaber. But the first time we see him use the Force in Jedi is when he calls Lando's gun blaster to him and it's it's just immediate you know he's so much more proficient and then when we have the rescue of han luke has got a plan down to the wire you know like he's got that thing figured out but in empire strikes back when he is like i gotta go rescue han and leia he has no plan he's just going in sight unseen no plan flying by the seat of his pants (laughs) and it's like very clear that you know george lucas has set up these stories like these similar situations to show us just how much luke has grown but what i think is interesting too is that there is still a lot of doubt in him especially and we see that i think most when he goes to dagobah with yoda and obi-wan and there's that hint of doubt when he's talking to Yoda. Like, he's still not really sure if he believes that Vader is his father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has to ask even again. Though, yeah, even though I think deep down he does, but he's like that – he like, he wants someone to tell him it's not true, mm-hmm. even though he knows it's true. Um, and it's – I kept – I was thinking about it in this viewing. I was like, what has Luke been thinking about for the past six months when it comes to Vader? How has he been training if he hasn't been with Yoda? How has he become more proficient in the Force and in his training if he hasn't been with Yoda? And what is he thinking about with Vader? I think there's a comic that fills this in. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but I, and I, I, uh, I can't I remember what it is, but maybe, and maybe I'm completely wrong and there's nothing, but I... I do, my mind does wander to that one scene that we watched and they like unearthed for <laughs> Celebration 5, like in 2010. Uh, the lightsaber construction scene. Yeah. Um. So if you guys haven't seen it, it's basically a deleted scene with Luke like putting together his lightsaber in a cave outside of Jabba's palace. Um. And it's like really epic and it's really cool. But if it was in the movie, then it would kind of ruin the reveal. The reveal. Yeah. Of the green. Not even just the green lightsaber or just Luke going into Jabba's palace. And, like, that was so mysterious and, like, kind of crazy. Um, Yeah. No. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And and that that scene to me, it's like, okay, so he's clearly figured out how to build his own lightsaber. Um, And, you know, he... Without any help. Without any help. Because he he hadn't been... Yeah, because he hadn't been back there. He hadn't been back to Dagobah. So how did he figure this out? And, you know what kind of steps did he have to take to do it? And I think that kind of shows Luke's, like, headstrong, you know, willingness to figure things out and do and forge his own path and do it his own way, right? And he's super smart and super strong in the Force, which leads me to the question. We talked about this in our trailer reaction as well as The Last Jedi. Like, it's so weird coming out of Return of the Jedi to The Last Jedi and thinking about how Luke is not the most powerful Force user in the galaxy. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. Because like, build that up. Um, and sequel trilogy is now telling us that that's 
not the case anymore, which it makes sense. Like every generation, I guess there's a strongest Jedi in the galaxy or whatever it is. Um, (laughs) But it's still strange because even the prequel trilogy, it's like, you know, because of how these films were made, that Luke was the only hope for the prequel trilogy. And so it's like, for as strong as Anakin was, he wasn't able to save himself. Luke had to save him. Mm-hmm. And Luke had to redeem him. And now something has completely broken Luke in the sequel trilogy. Uh, what Sad is it? Luke. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? <laughs> yeah. Um, but just a, a fun thing that I had never really noticed before is how Luke doesn't use the Force at all when he beats the Rancor. Yeah, it's so cool. He's It's so cool. He, you know, fights it on combat. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, I got this. I mean, he looks a little freaked out. I'd be freaked out, too. That thing is he's, scary. Looking, he's freaked out. <laughs> we all would be. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> um, so let's talk about Leia. Her appearance in the beginning of Return of the Jedi is, like, the coolest thing ever. I love the Leia rescue. Also, Han rescue. Mention- yeah, the Leia rescues Han. Um, the Leia rescue of Han. Yeah, Han is rescued. <laughs> um, they don't mention Leia in the crawl as like being part of the rescue. In the opening crawl, it's like Luke and his team Yeah, that's are the point. Because save. it's like, you don't, you're not supposed to know that that's Leia. It's just so cool. I remember even when I saw it when I was a kid, I, I was shocked. And I'll remember that shock forever that like, this like crazy bounty hunter with a bomb was Leia. It's so cool. And it's so cool that, okay, so say Luke orchestrated this plan. It's just so awesome that like they're all in this together and they each have their own role. Ugh, I love it. Yeah, it is cool. I still think you could have put Leia in the crawl and the it still would have been a surprise because they specifically zoom in on Lando and it's like, hey, here's Lando. You know, I don't know. And yeah, but I think you're right. I think you're right. That's probably that's probably better that they left her out. But I'm like, Leia should be in the crawl. <laughs> it's okay. She's in a lot of crawls. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is true. This is true. Uh, so let's talk about her relationship with Han and Luke because that's kind of where we she most of her well not most of her scenes that's a lie, um, but she has she has like three pivotal like, moments throughout this film. Not even moments, but, like, sequences. So, like, her rescue, like, her relationship with Han in this movie, and then she's got her Wicked Adventure, and then she's got her Luke relationship, too. Um, where What stands out to you for Leia? Um, if we're talking about relationships, I will always weirdly think about how I think Leia and Han's relationship in this movie is, like, super healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, it's, it's weird because even at the end, and I don't mean to jump ahead, but, like, when the Death Star blows up and, you know, Leia and Han are kissing or whatever, and Han is like, I'm sure Luke wasn't on there. And she's like, I know, like, I can feel it. And he's like, well, all right, I get it. I, you love him. Like, whatever. I get it. Once he comes back, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get out of the way. And I love yeah. that. It's so amazing that, like, <laughs> this guy who is this smuggler, kind of, like, not the greatest guy, right? But he, he does have a heart of gold. Is like, all right, well, 
if you're not into me, I'll step aside and it's not going to be a problem. And I, I seriously love that. Like, I, I'll never get over it to me. I think that it's like more guys should be like, hot. <laughs> if you don't like me, I'll leave. Yeah, like no hard feelings. It's okay. Like, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is a really big departure from in Empire Strikes Back when he was like pursuing her to be upright about her feelings for him. Yeah. And, and you know, it's they're they're very open you know when she rescues him she's like someone who loves you they're they're very open about who they are to each other and i've always kind of loved that do you think that han had dreams in carbonite about leia (laughs) oh do you dream in carbonite i don't know yeah do you dream in carbonite i'm sure it was all about leia and like the millennium falcon (laughs) (laughs) probably uh, but let's talk about the Luke and Leia moment at the end where she finds out about Vader and also about Miss Padme over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about Leia remembering Padme. I, I can't. <laughs> I can't. It's just a George Lucas oversight. It, it doesn't make sense. And it, you could say, I know in the Revenge of the Sith novelization, if you're playing our Sky Talkers bingo, there's me mentioning you know, <laughs> we don't have Sky Talkers bingo. <laughs> if we did, this would be the mention of the Re- Revenge of the Sith novelization. Oh okay. my gosh! <laughs> the Revenge of the Sith novelization—it's stupid, but it's worth mentioning that we they need say to make Sky Talkers bingo. <laughs> they say that Leia's eyes were open while Luke's were shut. So it's like I know that's because Matthew Stover was like, "WTF? How do I fix this?" <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because you can't fix it. There's no way, and it's. <laughs> And, or or you just go the route where it's like, um, Leia has the Force, so it's her Force memories, and this is how she remembers her, and she knows about her, blah, 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 right? Yeah. And Leia, Princess of Alderaan by Claudia Gray, didn't really answer this as well as I wanted it to be. Like, I really wanted, like, a concrete chapter, paragraph, <laughs> where Section. it was like, I dream of Padme. And then everyone would be happy right because we would all be like oh okay that makes sense like that's how she remembers her that's that's the images that she gets from her okay she's be very beautiful she's sad that would be great (laughs) but we don't get that yeah so uh if you haven't read princess leia i'm gonna give a slight spoiler now so mute your headphones for like one minute okay spoiler incoming princess of leia princess leia of alderaan spoiler okay okay so what would have been perfect is if Leia had been having those dreams and then when they went to Naboo and she saw like these images yes. of Padme, she would have been like, I've seen her before in my dreams. Yeah, that would have been, been like, fantastic. That would have been all you needed. Yeah. I know. Literally just a throwaway line like that and then us fans yeah. would have loved that. Okay. Yeah, end of spoilers. Exactly. We're not talking about spoilers it Spoilers over. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So like I, that whole scene is a lot for Leia. It's It's <laughs> – when I was watching it, I was watching this with my mom, and I just think it's so funny how Leia gets delivered all this, like, insane information, right? Luke's her brother, Vader's her father, and, like, they don't really address that, right? Like, Luke is, Luke's like, yeah, Vader's my dad, and, you know, I have a sister. Yeah, and it's you, Leia, but, like, Leia doesn't get the moment to be like, oh, my God, Darth Vader <laughs> is my father. But what's yeah, so she funny. Get her, no, no, it's not true moment. No, but what's so funny is that Han, Han yeah. just pops in and goes, hey, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't every time it makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> it's like what the biggest mean? the biggest moment for Leia like Leia's like understanding who she is, right? And like yeah. Han walks in and is like, hey. <laughs> Hey, OMG, hey, what's up? You want to go yeah. get some, like, Ewok juice? <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> anyway, I just oh, think that, like, we, we don't spend enough... That's one of those moments where, like, we don't spend enough time. We need, like, a little bit more We need, time. like, two yeah, more minutes. Like, just marinate on it. That scene is so great how it's set up. Like, just the visuals of that scene. Like, it's so different than anything else we have in Star Wars. Yeah. Um, And I love it. Like, it's... It looks so different, especially from everything else in Return of the Jedi, that you know something is coming mm-hmm. in that scene. But also on, like, funny Leia moments, not even a Leia moment, but when um, Luke is on Dagobah and Obi-Wan is like, your sister remains safely anonymous. And Luke's like, oh, my God, it's Leia. <laughs> it's Leia. <laughs> like, immediately puts a name to it. And Obi-Wan's like, well... There goes 20 years of hard work. <laughs> Down the two. Subtlety oh, is not, like, not it's not very strong in this movie. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, but, yeah, I think you're right. I think we definitely needed, if, the, if there was anything I could add in Return of the Jedi, it would be more to that scene, to even after Luke leaves for... Leia to have a moment especially like knowing everything that we know now about her from Clone Wars and from Rebels and from uh Leia Princess of Alderaan book and like how Vader has been a part of her life all this time in some form or fashion and a negative part of her life like you just you want another moment with her to figure that out or I don't know, like, can you even imagine what the conversation would have been like with Luke if he had stayed and she had, you know, asked him, what are you planning on doing? No, and if he was see, like, that's the I'm thing. I'm going to save I th- him. I think like, she, what would Leia have said to that? She would have been really, really angry. Yeah, she, I think she would have. And, I mean, I think we get a little bit of that in Bloodline. I just think that, like... That's true, yeah, I it, about Bloodline. It would have been so good if we saw that on screen because in this is just, like, a huge oversight in, like... I'm going to say it, like, not writing your female characters well. Like, you don't get... There was no consideration about what her feelings would be. It's just, there she is, Mm -hmm. the sister, that can be used as bait later when Luke is fighting Vader. It's, uh... It kind of bothers me. It's like... I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's frustrating because Leia has such great moments throughout this whole series Mm -hmm. um, of being, like, a woman in love and also being a woman who kicks butt. And a smart woman and a strong woman. Like, she's been a lot of things that I think have been represented fairly well throughout all of these films. But then when we have this moment of family, it's just, it's lacking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wish we had more of it because I think Leia's character is so great. And she deserves that. And she does. She does deserve it. So hopefully we have more of those family moments Whoa, what if Luke and Leia talk about Vader in The Last Jedi? They have to. Get the conclusion of that scene. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> wow. Okay, so let's talk about Han briefly. Oh. Yeah, okay, Han. Um, Han is really interesting in this movie. He definitely takes on, like, the comic relief, lighthearted aspect of this film. Yeah, and it's, it's funny because if you think about uh, – 
Lord and Miller's version of the Han Solo film. It was supposed to be probably would have been yeah. It would be more Han. like Return exactly more of Return of the Jedi Han, and it's not my favorite iteration of Han. Same, but I don't. I mean, I don't hate it. It's nice. He's like finally coming into his own. He's like finally happy with his decision to be in the rebellion. Right. I think that's kind of what we infer from this. Um, yeah, he's surrounded by friends. I don't know. Yeah. And Han does have some really great moments in this film. Like, my favorite will always be when he and Luke are on the barge. And Luke is like, I was born here, you know. And Han's like, you're going to die here. Yeah, it's so good. (laughs) It's really good. But it's like right when he – like, this film has really interesting tone, I think. Like, it flip-flops a lot between these really serious moments and then a lot of – like comical like as we said earlier like aimed at kid moment aimed aimed at kids you know it's like we if we're going back to like Tatooine we have the moment when the Twi'lek is like brutally killed by the Rancor right and that's like really intense and like scary but then you know five minutes later you have the Rancor's owner like comically crying over the dead Rancor and is like oh my baby you know like it 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 flip-flops a lot and I think we get that with Han too it's like you have these really serious moments of like Han comes out of Carbonite and then he has this I won't say ridiculous but like funny line of like everyone gets delusions of grandeur you know and it's silly but he just he just came out of this like really serious thing and he's blind right now you know it's interesting yeah it's it just goes into the whole this movie feels very childlike to me and it doesn't really know how to wrestle with that you know classic George Lucas serious tone but also kids movie in a yeah. very elegant way that it has yeah. in the past. Yeah, and Empire did that so well cuz even though Han and Leia had this like serious these serious moments in the beginning when they're on Hoth like, it's still funny. You know, like, when they're in the hallway and they're arguing and they have to, like, pause for people to walk between them. And, and like, they're, you know, he says, he's like, shut up, professor. Or, like, turn the professor off, you know. Like, there are these really funny, snarky moments that were comic, but they weren't, like, kid comic. Um, and I don't even mean, like, like the Ewoks don't bother me at all, honestly. I, I, <laughs> I'm, like, not in the camp of I don't like the Ewoks. <laughs> Um, but it is interesting, like, Han is very one note, I think, in this film. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, let's move I on to our... Seen, like, oh, no, continue. I was just going to say, I wish we had seen, like, that mix of Empire Han, because uh, I feel like he was a little bit more of the serious Complicated. Han, like, both... Yeah, the complicated Han, both in his relationship to Leia and in his relationship with the Rebellion, but you also had those moments of levity with him. Yeah, and, you know, part of that, like, story reason could be that this whole threat of Jabba the Hutt that's been over us this entire trilogy, it has been eliminated, so now he's, like, free to be kind of goofy. But I, 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 yeah. I get it. That's kind of, <laughs> that's the, the major story element, but I don't I don't know if I fully buy that, you know? Yeah, same um, let's move on to the catch-all and answer some awesome Twitter questions. The Force is back. The Rebels won't tire till they see the last of the Empire. And Kenner's there with Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. I'm gonna feed you to Starlock Pit, Skywalker. Glad to, Weequay, Luke Skywalker, and Lando Calrissian, each sold separately. Prepare the plank, Weequay. Surprise, surprise, I'm Lando in disguise. Let's get out of here, Luke. Whoa, the plank is falling. Help! 
Plateau, Weequake, Luke Skywalker, and Lando Calrissian action figures, each sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Okay, so welcome to part three, and we have a lot of questions, so let's get into them. You guys have such good questions. Yeah, it's like a little intimidating. (laughs) (laughs) I see these questions roll out, I'm like, I don't know, and I've never even thought of that. How have I never thought of that? Uh, So... Thank you. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we can give you some good answers to some of your Twitter questions. Um, on the subject of Han and Leia, Manda the Ginger on Twitter asks, um, talk about how Leia outranks Han Solo in the grand scheme of the Alliance, but it's his theater of command, so there's some interesting tension. I love how she phrased that, his theater of command. Yeah, same. But I just, I really do think this is really interesting because I, there is some tension. That's all I really have to say about this. <laughs> I just think that I, I, I honestly, I honestly hadn't, I just hadn't really thought about it that much. I hadn't either. And, but I, I guess, you know, after we were looking at the questions, I think what I thought of is when they're at the rebel base, it's like volunteering for missions and Han volunteers to be the lead on that mission. Yeah. Right. Am I, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. Or he had already, so I guess he had already volunteered. And to head it yeah, up. So, yeah, so I guess that's kind of how, and I hadn't thought of it before we got this question, but reflecting on the question, I think that's how I kind of justify it, I guess, in my head, is that Han, like, took charge of that mission, so that kind of put him in a position of command. Um, but I think they work well together. Yeah, I agree. Um, so uh, she also asks, how long was Luke gone? How much time elapsed between Tatooine and the briefing at Sullust? I always wonder this, and we kind of touched on this, like, not in between the films, but how long was Luke on Dagobah? Like, it's it's really odd. I, I have no idea. It is. Because they, you know, in the film, you don't think it's that much time, but then when you really reflect on it, like, the, Han and Leia have, like, when they see Luke, it's like, oh, gee, you're back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess, I mean, it's weird that there would be time on Dagobah besides Yoda's death that we don't really see. So I'm I'm inclined to say not a lot of time, but like maybe a week. <laughs> I would go say uh, like two weeks. Back with the two weeks. <laughs> I'm back with the two weeks because I think it's, it's not as weeks. quick as a week, but like, not, <laughs> y- you know, two weeks. Like semantics of how long time is. Uh yeah, I don't think, case in point, not a substantial amount of time. Agreed. Yeah. So the next question is from at Lost Jedi, and they said, I'm wondering about the challenge of a movie serving as the conclusion to two separate trilogies. Is Anakin's story given enough to work with? I love Return of the Jedi as a conclusion to the original trilogy, but does it focus on Anakin enough to work as a conclusion to the Skytalkers Machete Order 2? Thank you so much for calling it Skytalkers Machete Order. (laughs) (laughs) Firstly. Uh, But I think it does. I think so, too. Um, I, I... We discussed this before. I honestly think that the transition from Revenge of the Sith to Return of the Jedi is amazing. And the original Mm -hmm. Machete Order, I think it works really well. In terms of, you know, we usually talk about how we added the Phantom Menace in front of um, the traditional, quote, Machete Order. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that it only adds to Anakin's story and us understanding who Anakin is. 
Um, yeah, I think it, I think it does too. Because I mean, like we said in the beginning, this whole movie starts with Shmi's sacrifice for her son, and it ends with Vader's sacrifice for his son. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> whoa! Whoa! Uh, but I think I do think it works really well. I think the like when you when you splice these movies together in this order, like you're reminded of Anakin a lot more. Um, and not just as Vader, but as Anakin of his quote unquote true self of the person Va- uh, Luke is trying to redeem. And like we said, the transition of Revenge of the Sith to Return of the Jedi, I think really puts that at the forefront of Luke's mission. Like you understand Luke's mission. Like mm-hmm. you know who it is he's going to save, who he's trying to redeem. Definitely. Yeah. I, I'll, but I will say we didn't talk about this. It was really, it's really shocking in Machete Order when you unveil Sebastian Shaw underneath the Vader mask. Yeah, it's it's odd. and It, it is odd. You're like, wow, wow. But at the same time, it does have that, like, it does resonate with you that it's a man underneath there. And of course, Anakin, the Hayden Christensen Anakin yeah. that we know has aged, and that's who he would be. And Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think it, it, it works just fine, but it is shocking. And it's shocking for both the way it was in 1983 and today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, but yeah, it, it is crazy coming from Revenge of the Sith and that Anakin that we left behind to see him at the end of Return of the Jedi. And it's like, wow, this this is a man who has been broken. Yes, definitely. Sad. Ugh. Um. So Danny asks, uh, would you rather a question? <laughs> would you rather go to a Figrin Dan in the Modal Nodes concert or a Cy Snoodles in the Max Rebo Band concert? And why? You go first. Um, I feel like my life wouldn't be in so much danger at Figure and Dan and the Modal Nodes than at Cy Snoodles and the Mac Re- Max Rebo Band concert. So I, I think Figure and Dan. Also, I just kind of like that better than <laughs> <laughs> what you know. Piano jives. Max Rebo is <laughs> is cranking. Can in, I have- in Jabba's palace? See- I love Figure and Dan and the Modal Nodes. Um, I would be a fangirl for them, like a, a groupie. But I really love Max Rebo. <laughs> but do you like size noodles? I, of- I don't like size noodles. Uh, I want Max Rebo. Can I have Max Rebo? Like, figuring Dan and the Modal Noids featuring Max Rebo. <laughs> can I have that set up? Sure. Max Rebo can be, like, the opening for them. Yeah, I'll take that. All uh-huh. Right. And he comes on for, like, a special concert piece in the middle of the, of the show. <laughs> yeah, they, they jam together. Yeah, yeah, like hardcore <laughs> piano interlude solo. <laughs> um, okay. So Emma Knight, our good friend, asks, how do you think Return of the Jedi deals with attachment? We see how it allowed him, t- Luke, to save his father, but his love for Leia nearly sends him over. Such a great question. And I hadn't, like, put those two moments together thinking about, the, like, the pros and cons of attachment. I often just, like, my mind goes to, well, love saved Anakin, so love is good, but it gets complicated because he... Yeah, it almost cost him Leia. Exactly. And I think it shows that you can be, you can let your almost aggressiveness take over. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, it's so, it's so interesting. And I love that you phrased it that way, Emma. Yeah, I wish we had a better answer. Uh, but it is, it's, 
kind of like there are these shades of gray with people's affections for one another and that love for as strong as it is and as much good as someone's love for someone else can do, it can also be manipulated when put in the wrong hands. Uh, but, and I, and I mean, I think that was true for the Jedi too. It was like not having attachments was quote unquote good, but it put them in a world of hurt too. Like, like the premise of not having attachments is good. Like when you see it on paper for the Jedi Order, they're like, yeah, this makes sense. But when you put it into practice, it didn't work out as well. You know what I mean? And I think it, I think that kind of works with this question too for like having attachments. Like it's good, but like Anakin's attachment to Padme is what did him in in the end um, as well. And Anakin's love for her. fear about losing Padme is what did him in. It's yeah, like but I think that's still what, I think that's what happened to Luke like, exactly, too. Exactly. The fear that like Vader and Palpatine would get to Leia. It's interesting. Like, do you think Luke was afraid of losing Vader? Of losing Anakin? Mm, I mean, maybe. Because on some level, it's like the only family. I don't know. No, because it's not. Because he has Leia. I don't know. I'm trying to reconcile this in my brain. I know. It's hard. Because it's like Luke is afraid to lose Leia. I think Luke is kind of like doesn't want to fail. That's what I was going to say, like his fear of failure. But that just seems like that seems so surface level for how much he is sacrificing and going against the wishes of people he admires like Yoda and Obi-Wan to save Vader. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know, Emma. You tell us. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, and then, you know, she further asked, how do we think this end scene plays into the sequel trilogy now? Um, I think it's really interesting because knowing how it was a kind of a rocky restart um, and fall of the Empire and like start of the New Republic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think that it really captures this one moment of joy, of success. Um, And for years we were like, yes, it's all over. Like goodness prevails. And now we have the sequel trilogy where we're like, oh my God, things are so messy and complicated. (laughs) Goodness did not prevail. Yeah. I mean, it did for a little bit, but it just got so complicated and it shows that in in the novel Bloodline about how, Mm -hmm. you know, again, we see this whole like heroes on both sides thing. Um, Yeah. And how things are just so, so nuanced and complicated that it's like, I, I don't know. It's, it's messy to rebuild. Um, and you don't really get that in Return of the Jedi, nor do I think that you need to get that. I think it's like a satisfying conclusion to see statues toppling and fireworks going off and revisiting some of your favorite planets. Um, but I think it, it still holds up with the sequel trilogy now because it was 30 years before and we know from history that things change all the time. Yeah. And things change quickly Mm -hmm. too. Uh, yeah, and I also think it's one of those moments where it's like this was the conclusion to a trilogy that ended in 1983 with no foresight of what was happening, going to happen in 2012. Right. You know, it's like one of those, like, that's kind of, that's like the real world answer. But yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I think it's messy, but I think we needed to have this moment at the end of Return of the Jedi, especially because the the conclusion we get in Return of Revenge of the Sith is like you end on the hopeful note with Luke and Leia, but 
it's also like the galaxy being plunged into despair. <laughs> yes. So it's nice to have this uplifting moment. But then at the same time, like, I mean, Vader being burned on the pyre with Luke, like mm-hmm. that image is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Like that scene, it just like, it rocks my world every time I see it. I'm like, my emotions. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. I I think that this is another instance where bringing back in The Phantom Menace is really powerful because we see Qui-Gon burning on the pyre and, like, this is a Jedi thing that happens and this is, you know, a Jedi funeral. And finally, in Return of the Jedi, we see Luke giving Vader, mask and all, a Jedi funeral. And I think it's, it's just really powerful. Oh, it is. And it's also kind of, like, you could spin it, like, the burning of Qui-Gon was, like, really where... Anakin's story started like that's where he and like really became a part of the Jedi Order and now like the flame is where it ends too Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think I mean in terms of the sequel trilogy I think that scene with Luke burning Vader's remains it's like Luke's face his emotions like it's so complicated what he's feeling yeah because he's not like he's not smiling he's not solemn he's kind of looking at it in like oh I can't really believe what I'm doing yeah, and they're, like, there's so much within him. You know, there's, like, joy that Leia is safe. There's joy that Anakin was redeemed. There's sorrow that he died in his arms. There's joy that the Emperor has been defeated. He's probably feeling a lot of pain because, like, force lightning hurts, you know? Like, Definitely. <laughs> there's 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 so much going on. It's like there there's not one singular emotion for how he should be feeling then. And at the same time, it's like he probably knows – all of the horrors that Vader did, if only through Leia telling him. Right. Man, emotions. And so, yeah, I wonder if he's reconciled any of that in The Last Jedi, uh, specifically in regards to Vader. Definitely. Um, So Britt asks, can we talk about how beautiful Hayden's Force Ghost is? Because sigh, he's so dreamy. This is the most controversial question we have been asked. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Hayden Christensen Force Ghost, and that should surprise <laughs> nobody. <laughs> yeah, but t- like, pretend you aren't in love with Hayden Christensen. It's kind of WTF because Obi Wan <laughs> is older. Shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I still am like, if that's the only thing I saw, like, okay, I don't know. <laughs> I go back and forth because I genuinely like to see prequel Anakin at the I end just like of Return of the Jedi. Yes, I do. <laughs> it will make it would make more sense and be more legitimate if we see Force Ghost Hayden Christensen in the Last Jedi. Yes. Japan. Oh my God, that is so true. <laughs> uh, yeah. I again, this is one of those moments where, as someone watching Star Wars only as a special editions and in a bit of a vacuum before the heyday of the internet, I didn't realize that it was not Hayden Christensen. Yeah. You know. So what do you think? <laughs> and I know that sounds. I know that sounds stupid because it's like, well, what was it in 1983? Like. Who knows what my 13-year-old head was thinking. I was probably like, there were no Force Ghosts in 1983. (laughs) They didn't have the technology or, you know, something stupid like that. Uh, But, yeah, I think I was just like, oh, it's Hayden. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like, that's all it is. 
on reflection, it's like I recognize why it's problematic to have Hayden in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Totally. Yeah. And I think that's going to conclude this edition of Sky Talkers Machete talking about Return of the Jedi. Um, it was awesome and we had a great time. And thank you so much for sending in your questions. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at SkyTalkersPod and visit our website at it's skytalkers.com. Just right now, I'd love to say a little thank you to our awesome patrons. They are Neil, Jim, Suara, BJ, Ryan, Dean, Emma, Amy, Kyle, Brandon, and Chuck. If you're interested in becoming a patron, we have some awesome swag and um, exclusive content on our Patreon page. So you can head on over there and see what that's all about. Um, And we'll see you next time to discuss The Force Awakens. Thank you so much and may the Force be with you. May the Force be with you.